back with the WMAY Morning News Feed. Now, 637. I want to thank my next guest for uh, joining us so early in the morning, uh, State Representative Tim Butler. Uh, Representative, thanks for uh, you know getting up early and uh, <laughs> being here live in the studio it's as well. It's an easy drive for me from the north end, you know. Yeah. So, so uh, again, uh, you know, we've got a lot to get to, including um, an issue that uh, you're very closely watching because you're on the committee, and that deals with uh, congressional maps. Uh, yesterday, Democrats announced that uh, they're going to announce uh, hearings for uh, the new congressional maps. We already know Illinois is going to lose a seat. What else do we know? Well, uh, we don't know a whole heck of a lot. Uh, at least publicly, we don't know a whole heck of a lot. Um, I think this, uh, to, just to remind everybody, we drew the the legislative maps for the for the state house previously, and redid the the Supreme Court maps in the spring as well. But we haven't done the congressional maps yet. As you said, we've lost a seat in Illinois. We go from 18 seats to 17 seats. And after every census, we have to redistrict and draw the new, new lines. Um, the Democrats supposedly are saying, oh, we, we've opened our map portal again, uh, that people can submit maps. And we know from the spring that, that it's a very clunky process to, to try to do that. Uh, you know, in my opinion, look, I think the Democrats already have the maps drawn, uh, the congressional maps drawn. They've had the data since the middle of August to be able to draw that. And I think... No, nothing underscores that more than the fact that uh, one of Governor Pritzker's top aides, former top aides, has already announced that she's running for Congress against Rodney Davis, and we don't even know what the district is. Right. I mean, at least the public doesn't know what the district is. We don't. We as Republicans don't know what the district is. So I think that underscores the, ma- the, the idea that the, the Democrats have already drawn the maps, or they know largely exactly how they're going to draw the maps, if they're having one of Governor Pritzker's top people announce for Congress and start raising money. I mean, that's just, that's just insane to think that. That's the fact. So, the I, I think we're going to see congressional maps probably passed um, in the in the veto session coming coming up in three weeks. Uh, and my guess is, uh, unfortunately, uh, those of us, uh, the public, and those of us in the Republican Party probably won't see the maps until the night before uh, we vote on them, which is the the same thing that the Democrats did in the spring. Well, and they could be amended even after that. Yeah, right? I mean, know, there's, they, there's they, a they, different <laughs> there's a different standard for the congressional maps on a couple levels than there is the legislative maps. And the Constitution spells out the process for the legislative maps, which is one of the reasons we're talking about the, the court case. But the, the June 30th deadline around effective maps um, is in the Constitution for the legislative maps, whereas for the congressional maps, there's no similar requirement. Also, the the standard for one of the reasons why the Democrats didn't draw the congressional maps in the spring, the standard for congressional maps as far as population deviation is higher for congressional maps. They knew they couldn't draw the maps in the spring, given the use of American Community Survey data. They had to wait until the actual data came out, because the standard basically is to the person. You have to you have to draw um, congressional maps equal in population almost to the person, and there's more of a deviation in the legislative maps. So, so I, you know, look, I, I think... Again, I think they've got these maps drawn. I think we're going to see them, um, you know, late. And you're right. I mean, they could come back and, and amend them in <laughs> December or something like that. The the as you know, as as most people know, the the primary election was pushed until the end of June, June 28th of next year, which means uh, the filing process, the circulation for petitions to get on the ballot starts June, uh, January 13th. So um, you know, th- things are moving, but still, certainly would give time for the Democrats to continue to play games on those. And just 
just so people are clear, you've got the state legislative maps, and those are embroiled in a federal lawsuit with a hearing coming up, I think, October 7th. And you've got uh, you know the Republicans and uh, MALDEF, the Mexican-American Legal Defense and Educational Fund, suing uh, to challenge those state house maps. What we're talking about now is the congressional maps that would be uh, those members of Congress. And again, Illinois losing a seat because of population loss. Uh, so it's still unclear which congressional district is going to be what punished yeah, yeah, because of that. I you mean, know, you're going to the Democrats control the process here in Illinois. They have, you know, obviously Governor Pritzker, who once again said he's not going to draw, you know, sign maps drawn by politicians. But we're going to see him probably sign it again. And they have super majorities in the General Assembly. So you're going to see. Republicans combined, you're going to see you're going to see Rodney Davis and Mary Miller and, and Adam Kinzinger and Darren LaHood and Mike Boss somehow drawn into districts together. You know the the combination of them. Um, the other thing that I think is going to be really interesting, and this is part of the lawsuit from the from the from the legislative maps, is that the the Latino population in the state has has gone up substantially, um, whereas the the white population has gone down and the, and the and the black population has remained stagnant. Yet, um, are they going to create another Latino uh, congressional seat? That's that's the basis of the federal lawsuit as well. Is that they didn't? That there's not enough Latino um, legislative seats right now. There's one Latino majority um, congressional seat. Chuy Garcia holds that, and you know I think a lot of us believe that there should be two now, given the given the you know I think you know the the Latino population. Is state is somewhere north almost of 20% now. And so, um, you know, that's going to be a real interesting thing because there's power struggles within the Democratic caucus about these issues. And it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. Well, we had yesterday the uh, Illinois African Americans for equitable redistricting on the show or earlier this week after the governor signed the legislative maps. And they said the Democrats are just being greedy. Yeah. Right now, uh, they, they just said that that's they had the supermajority. They want even more power in the state legislature. Are you worried that that same thing is going to play out in Abs- the congressional? Absolutely. Maps? I mean, I mean, Illinois and New York are really the two playgrounds for Nancy Pelosi to try to keep her majority. And that with such thin majorities in the U.S. House of Representatives, you know, this is this is a real battleground. And if the Democrats can can pick up a seat in Illinois. You know, eliminate a Republican seat in Illinois. Um, it could really make a difference in in who controls the U.S. House of Representatives uh, uh, in 2023. So, you know, this is a this is a real battleground because because the Democrats don't have a lot of other states uh, where they where they have the ability to control the map making process like they like they do in Illinois. And so so the Nancy Pelosi's team. I, I mean, literally, I think they're on the ground here in Illinois. You know, trying to figure all this stuff out to try to help her retain her speakership. With the legislative maps, or was that June 30th deadline? Does that not apply here? No, it doesn't. The the Constitution, the Illinois Constitution, those requirements uh, are only for the legislative maps. Uh, and the di- the difference is, I think when they when they created the Constitution 50 years ago was was that you know federal versus state issues. You have some you have some legal issues around the the congressional maps that um, that you don't necessarily have around the legislative maps. So I think it was easier to put that that those restrictions around the legislative maps. We're talking with state representative. Tim Butler at 645 here on the WMAY Morning News Feed. I'm Greg Bishop. Representative, something else I wanted to bring you on to talk about was uh, the FOID card issue. Uh, We've got an audit that's expected out from the Illinois Auditor General today about the management of FOID and CCL. Uh, When we talk about it on the air, I get people calling up. I get people messaging me, still waiting, months, months, months. I had somebody message me the other weekend saying it was almost two years 
before they finally got their card back. I joked and said, was your picture the one on it? <laughs> right? Because we've heard those stories. Right, yeah. Uh, so, so, I mean, give us your assessment of, of what's happened in the past two years yeah, with FOID. For, first, I would say, if, if people are continuing to have concerns about their FOID card applications, feel free to contact, contract, contact our office or your legislator's office. And, you know, we make inquiries on this every day. It's, it is it is now gone back up to our number one casework issue now that IDS seems to be going back in the background a little bit. But, um, look, I think, you know, this is going to be continue to be an issue. We can't, well, first of all, I think we just need to get rid of the FOID card. I think I think in today's environment where we have instant background checks and, you know, I, I bought a handgun last year, um, it, you know, went through the process, got the background check, waited the 72 hours. You know, there's I, you didn't need a FOID card to make that purchase with with that kind of stuff in place. Um, but short of that, you know, I do think the state police is making strides. But they, they say they've, uh, I've got the press release they released yesterday, uh, they've reduced backlogs by 89% for renewals, 75% for new applications. Is that enough, though? I mean, because well, that the, means the that biggest for, thing. The way the, I read that is, you know, the, the remainder of yeah. those that are, are being no, delayed, their rights are being denied. I 100% agree with you. I, I've made that point to the, to the state police that, you know, you are violating people's constitutional rights by by not having this, especially especially new new applicants that have to wait. If you're a current, if you're applying for you know your renewal of your card, at least the, we have it in place where that card gets extended. You know, even though you don't get the new card in the mail. Um, but for new applicants, we're we're literally violating their constitutional rights. I mean, I think we. I mean, you need to have like immediate, you know, uh, approval of those cards. We need to make it better. I will say again, I think the state police are making strides. Um, you know, we found out a couple years ago that we've you know swept a bunch of money from the fund, which needs to stay in there. Uh, and I know they've hired, I think I saw that news release, they've hired 30, 35 people, something like that. And that's the key. I think they needed more bodies just to process some of the stuff and and put the systems in place to, to make it to make it better. You know, I mean, look, I, I had this thought because I, I, I applied for my, my real ID uh, a couple months ago. Um, you know, what you might think of the driver services facilities in SOS, they actually do a pretty good job of turning over your, your driver's licenses. You know, how come we can't have that same emphasis on something like a FOID card when it's so, you know, how can, I mean, I hate to say this, but do you let, do you let SOS take over the FOID card process? Cause they actually have a system in place to deal with something like that. I don't know, but we got to continue to be, to be on top of this. And I'll be really interested to see what the auditor general has to say, uh, in the, in the audit about this, because this is such a huge issue for so many people. And, and we've seen over the past year, especially a spike. And I think that um, the state police said that in their news release, you know, a huge spike in applications, um, because of a variety of reasons. And uh, again, I mean, this is a constitutional right. And that, 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 at the end of the day, that's what we all need to to realize that we need to do everything we can to make sure that people's constitutional rights are 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 defended and people are able to exercise them. State Representative Tim Butler with us on the WMAY morning news feed, and just finally here, you know this this ongoing conversation uh, with school districts, with teachers, with even uh, you know the fraternal order of police uh, opposing vaccine mandates uh, and and some ramifications and some outcomes that we're seeing play out. Uh, from lawsuits being filed, there's a story out of Belleville News Democrat of uh, Edwardsville teacher fi- uh, filing lawsuits using the HCRCA. Uh, 
we didn't know about this this law that passed back in 97 and acted in 98 until a couple of months ago when somebody you know raises it but now it seems to be it's a, it's going to be a sticking issue coming up for the fall veto session yep. what needs to happen with this and is that the law of the land well, that people I, should follow or I don't, does it I don't need think to be I don't think anything needs to happen I talked to I talked to the um uh, the Med Society last night uh, at an event. I, I talked to a representative of the Medical Society. They're very concerned about any potential changes to, to the Act, uh, the Healthcare Right of Conscious Act, because because they see the the huge ramifications that could have for for folks and um, uh, that they represent. Look, I think at the end of the day, first of all, people need to get vaccinated. I mean, that's you know, I've said that all along. People people just need to get vaccinated. But decisions like the school board decisions, local decisions on, on and, you know the police forces and stuff like they need that needs to be made on the local. I mean, school districts had the school districts were doing this this past summer. They were making their plans for the fall, and then the governor comes in at the last minute, two weeks before school is supposed to start, and puts these puts these mandates in place. I think it needs to be up to the, the locals to determine. And a lot of the a lot of the school folks that I've talked to, the school administrators, um, that's really you know the the hope that they that they would have had that let this look. That's why you elect local school boards. You're locally elected officials should be making those decisions it should be it shouldn't be coming on high from from the governor saying this is exactly what we need to do let let the locals decide on that and you'd still have you know you'd still have back and forth on it you'd still have people you know on both sides of this but at least it'd be something that would be done by your local elected school boards and not the governor sitting somewhere just making these decisions do you think that democrats will Try to amend I'm, the. I'm, H- I'm con- I am. I am really concerned about this. Uh, I'm really concerned about what they might try to codify as far as the governor's powers when it comes to this. Um, and, and, but what and, does that say that we're 20 months into this, and, and this is the thing? That they're going to come back Great. and deal with. This is this is one of the things that I, I think all of us have been most amazed about. That that um, you know. Speaker Madigan and now Speaker Welch, President Harmon, have basically washed their hands of any involvement with uh, with being the being involved with the pandemic. I mean, we haven't had any oversight hearings hardly at all about the processes in the pandemic. We haven't we haven't decided as a legislature to act as a co-equal branch of government. The, go- the, the governor has just gone out on his own and has done this. And the Democratic majorities have liked that because they haven't had to make a decision about it. They haven't had to be put on record saying we're for this or we're against this and that's wrong the legislature should be taking a role in this and you know the history of our country is about legislators helping drive the policy of this country and and we've taken a complete backseat we took what, what did we pass 60 or excuse me 650, 650 some plus, bills yeah. right, right. that are sitting on the governor's desk or have been signed and really, none of them had to do with the pandemic. I mean, it's it's pretty insane. Or the governor's orders right. unilaterally to to shape and form the economy. It's, and it's pretty insane to think that that's how that's how we did it in the middle of this. I mean, it, 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 you guys tackled something as complex as energy, <laughs> exactly. You know, but you can't you can't you know touch on uh, the, but, the, the governor's that, powers in a I, pandemic. I think that absolutely underscores the desire of the leadership, the, the Democratic leadership of the le- legislature, just to wash their hands of it and let the governor take all the heat for it. I think that's exactly what it is.